to take away. You know, to the side of the net, into the peak, and out. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back to back Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. It is your boy, Zach the Bandit Burke, and a surprisingly chipper Cam the Turf King Charlton. My friend, I'm sorry for the demise of your halves uh, last night. Uh, we're recording the episode. Uh, on Thursday this week, we're a little bit late. We just wanted to get that game kind of done so we could talk about either games upcoming game six uh, or uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. And as you heard in the intro, the Lightning got it done last night. Uh, but Cam, I'll let you kind of take the wheel here. It was quite a run by the Habs, but but tell me how you're feeling today. Well, it's definitely a little somber feeling today. I, I'd lie if I say I wasn't sad, disappointed, upset. It was definitely rough, kind of the entire series. It really didn't go the way the Habs were. The goaltending wasn't as good as it should have been. Their game plan wasn't as good. Tampa was a better team in all aspects, and Montreal just wasn't the team we saw through three rounds. And So it's a little somber today, but, I mean, you got to look forward. And some of the signs Montreal showed this playoff run were unbelievable. What these young kids did were awesome. And so I'm trying to be a little happier and look forward to the future in this core group. Well, and... Yeah, I mean, there's not much that you can really say negatively. I mean, frankly, you look at every single round. I mean, they were plus 425 odds against Vegas in the conference final. I think that was the biggest underdog spread that we've ever seen. Um, like, you know, and in every round. It wasn't just that round. It was, you know, Leafs in five. It was Winnipeg in five. It was Vegas in four or five. It was Tampa in four or five. Now, that one actually came true. But Tampa's just a step above, and it's pretty obvious. I mean, I like I know that the the Habs hung with them, but I mean the Habs hung with them, and but Tampa just has this ability to, and we talked about this last night. Like Tampa has this ability that if you give them an inch, they take a mile. Like they just, it doesn't matter. Like you know that the the one goal last night, and and you know for anybody who doesn't follow, which is unlikely, but Tampa wins one nothing last night, and it's a culmin. It's it's one play that cost the game. Right. It's it's, you know, you poke the puck back into the scrum uh, instead of pulling it out. You poke it back in. It gets out to the blue line, out to the out to the half boards in front of the nets in the net. So that's it's that quick. Yeah. And I mean, that was kind of all series, but it's it's still crazy. I know we have lots of people who we talk to in group chats. I know you've even said it a little bit. Oh, you didn't win the cup, so it doesn't matter, man. I wouldn't trade this for missing the playoffs, losing in the first or second round. We were sitting here on this podcast weeks ago. Leafs were up 3-1. I was almost getting ready. Like, is Bergevin gone? What do they do coaching-wise? This could be a massive offseason. We're like, oh, we might never get to see fans in a building in Canada this playoffs. Not only did they come back from 3-1, people counter them out against Winnipeg, go on and sweep them, dominate them. And then they actually beat Vegas and didn't 
rely on Kerry. They beat Vegas in every aspect of the game. They were the better team, and everyone thought Vegas was a cut favorite. Yeah, Tampa kind of took it to them. It seemed like everything kind of went wrong, but that's also Tampa. I mean, you look at everything, there's lots of reasons why, and you can say, but they were the better team. They're going to have a crazy offseason with everything going on, but again, this has just been exciting. Like I just look at all these moments that I've been through here. This is the furthest I've ever seen the Habs go. It's the first time I've seen my hockey team make the Stanley Cup final. Yep. They were still three wins away from a cup, which is nuts. People didn't even have them winning one game this postseason. Most experts had them losing in five in the first round, yep. and they lost in five in the Stanley Cup final. Sure, but still, it's nuts. Like I go back, and I'm like going through moments. You get the Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, 2-1-0, and then like game six against the Leafs, watching Kakaniemi score there. And as soon as he scored there, I'm like, man, this series is over. I don't care what happens in game seven. Everything that went on in the Winnipeg series, I mean, Toffoli scoring in overtime to win it and sweep the Jets, and then the Lekkonen goal to make the Stanley Cup Finals on the holiday in Montreal, watching that building go insane. Yep. It's just been so much fun. It's been unreal. Seeing these kids do what they've done. Every time there was another game, you see Caulfield, Suzuki are breaking records for guys under 21 for the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs. Montreal Canadiens have won 24 Stanley Cups. It's not like they've had nobody do anything in playoffs. Yep. I know we can get back. As a lot of that was not full 32 teams or 30 or whatever. Whatever, yeah. But they've still had a ton of Hall of Famers who've done a ton of crazy things. And for Caulfield, Suzuki, even Kakaniemi to be doing things at 21 and under in these playoffs is insane. we got to remember, Cole Caulfield's a rookie next year, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, he looked unbelievable these playoffs. Well, I mean, so. he honestly he honestly might have a chance at the – um, at the what's the rookie one called? It's slipping my Calder mind. Trophy. Calder Trophy. Yeah, yeah. he's the Calder. He actually has a shot at it. He's the early favorite. All the betting odds are actually not. If you want to bet on him, don't do it right now because everyone's kind of favoring him to do the Calder next year, and rightfully so. Everything he did in these playoffs, I think he had twelve points in nineteen games in the playoffs when he really hadn't had any NHL experience. That's yeah, he's got to be the Calder favorite going next year. And you just look at what Suzuki did. I mean. For the first time ever as a Habs fan in my lifetime, we have a true number one centerman. Nick Suzuki is a number one centerman in this league. Cole Caulfield is going to score 30, 40 goals in this league in the regular season. So you just look at that and look how young they are. Romanov stepped up in game four and five, and I actually thought he looked really good. He seemed to make a difference, and he seemed to be physical, and I liked everything he did. So they got all these young pieces. I know Kakaniemi was out of the lineup, but again, he's still done a ton of stuff in the playoffs. As a guy who's still 20, that's the craziest thing is he's played three full seasons, but he's actually still younger than Nick Suzuki. He's only six months older than Caulfield. So, yeah, I'm like disappointed, of course. My team lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. It was tough watching Tampa raise the cup, but this is exciting. This is Nothing's really going to change massively on this team. They got other prospects that are huge. Ryan Paling was the World Junior MVP two years ago. He's one of their top prospects. Like It's just exciting. They also have nine draft picks in the first five rounds this draft. So let's just add to it all. They didn't give up anything to go on this run. They just added stuff. So it's unbelievable. And I'm trying to stay excited, but yeah, it's disappointed. But it's I, I, exciting for the future. I just want to circle back really quick here. Um, I think that you and I are perhaps in slightly different positions and I'm going back to the, the copper bust mentality. Um, I, I do want to talk about the game a little bit more and just about the, the Tampa series in general. Um, I mean, there, there's just, there's so much to get into, but um, I want to circle back on this briefly. Like 
the cupper bust mentality for for a Habs fan and a Leafs fan are completely different. I mean, the Leafs have not won the cup in 54 years, and it's always been the year. Like every year, they're they're better on paper, and you know they they've they haven't had success. And it's like, okay, hey, this is the year. This is the year. This is the year. Look at what like guys like uh, Travis Dermott have said uh, today. Um, you know where he signed. So Trav, I mean, this is slight news, but like Travis Dermott signed a two-year, one-point-five million AAV deal with the Maple Leafs. Um, fine, I'm fine with the signing. We can talk about it later, but I don't. It's, it doesn't really matter. He he's he has a possibility to be in or out in the uh, in and out of the lineup depending who they sign. But Travis Dermott today basically was saying like, "Oh, I've been working out with a group of guys, and like we're using the Habs as motivation for." And I'm like, man, like, like the. the Gallagher came out and said, like, this was our, our goal from the start of the year. Like, we were cupper bust at the start of the year. And I, I think that should be the mentality for every team. I'm sure it is. But, like, especially from a fan's perspective, when your team hasn't won in 54 years and really hasn't had playoff success in uh, 20, like 20 years legitimately, we haven't won a round in, what, 18? So, I mean, yeah, like, when you have these expectations, yeah, we're, I'm definitely going to be – cup or bust and i know that you've talked about what you need to run before you walk and i'm like man if you have that good of a team on paper where if the leafs beat the habs again we don't it's all speculation would they have had success i mean dermot said today like if like we could have been there and i believe that they absolutely could have been there i don't know if it would have happened necessarily but they could have and that should have been the mentality um i don't know we've had this argument a little bit yeah, I just look back and like I had 2012 with the Halak run and it was unbelievable. And that's stuff I remember now. That was nine years ago. And I just remember those moments so vividly. 2014 with Kreider taking out Price. Like I thought that was Montreal's year. They were such a good team. Everyone thought they had a really good chance and Price went out. I still remember those moments. And just these moments with these young guys, I'm going to remember these for years. Oh, yeah, yeah, they didn't win the cup and that's disappointing. But just the memories of winning these rounds, how they did it, coming back 3 1 against Leafs, like. I mean, just these things I'm going to remember forever. It's been so much fun to be a fan. Yeah, would I love to win the Cup? And I think that should be the player's mentality. And you always think you have a chance at winning the Cup every year. Yeah, for sure. But these runs and these moments, they're so much fun. And that's that's my argument is I wouldn't trade this for anything else. Like, I I know they didn't win the Cup, but I'd way rather have this these memories and this much fun watching hockey than losing the first round or miss the playoffs well and i I don't think that's i I mean that's not my argument necessarily i think my argument basically you know i'm not saying that i would i'm not saying that i would prefer them to go out in the first or the or or not make the playoffs and i I get the argument it's like well it, it, it is a valid argument i mean every single team that didn't win the cup's a loser that's just how it is like no you lose in different ways would I rather lose in the cup final? I don't know, right? Because I'm like I'm I'm the kind of guy who I'd rather win bronze than lose than lose for silver. That's my own personal um, attitude in terms of that kind of stuff. I'd rather win a consolation game than lose in the finals. I think it's just better in my head. It's better, um, but you can't do that in the NHL. Like it's it, yeah. I also yeah. Like my argument there is at first. Like if you look at it at first, bronze 100 percent feels better from silver at first from an emotional standpoint. But, like, you think most Olympians or something looking 10 years down the road, they'll be like, no, I got silver over bronze. Right away, it hurts way more because you lost the last time instead of winning. But looking back on it, you're like, man, no, this that was way better than winning bronze. And it, well, I mean, it, it will depend on the sport. I mean, if you're in a race, like, absolutely silver is better than bronze. But, I mean, if you're in, like, a, like the, the Olympics, for example, like, the, sorry, the, the hockey and the, uh, the Winter Olympics, right? 
I don't know, winning bronze feels better than silver. But bring it back to the NHL, I look at it and say, you know, if the Leafs had made the cup final and lost, uh, would I have been disappointed? Yes. What I actually, I, but, and this is the problem. And this is why, like, it may be hard for you as a house fan to understand, like where as a Leafs fan, who how jaded I am that I'm actually would have been more like, I, I was way more disappointed by uh, like, if they would have made the cup final and lost, I would have been way more disappointed than them going out in the first round again. And you might think, well, why would you be more disappointed? You went on a run. It's like, yes, but you're that close. Like, there, there's some solace in the fact that you have this curse and you have that you're that bad because you know what's coming. Like as ridiculous as that sounds, like um, change, like change is always difficult and familiarity always feels feels good. So going out in the first round, you're like, oh yeah, that happens every year. Like I laughed. If I would, I wouldn't have laughed if they lost in the Cup final. Absolutely not. It would have felt terrible. But I get your perspective, right? I mean, I keep in mind, Cam, this is all coming from a place where I have no idea what that feels like. Because the only team that I've ever watched that I'm a fan of that even got to that point won a championship. And it was the Toronto Raptors. That was it. That 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 was it. The only other team that I can think of that like was even close was the Jays when they made the um the the yeah when they made the ALCS. Yeah, and they I mean they got they lost, but like that was the only other one that's been close. Like the only other team that I've cheered for has won the championship. So I don't know what it's like to lose that far in. So maybe I'm talking from a place of, it's not even a place of privilege. It's like a place of opposite privilege. It's a place of pain. It's a place of disappointment. It's a place of bad beats. Like, I don't know. Like maybe I'm crazy. Well, yeah, like but... bef- well, like before the playoffs though, you said the Leafs losing, if they win the North, it's an okay season and you'd be okay with it. Yeah. They didn't do that. So like if they lost to Vegas in the semifinals, you kind of would have been okay with it. Not ideal. You're still disappointed, but really you think that's worse than losing after being up three, one against the Habs. Well, losing to Vegas in like six or seven. Yeah. No, I, it can't be. I don't think. No, I mean, I I'm pretty sure. I mean, we can go back and look at the tape, but I'm pretty sure that I, I said that anything, you know, anything odd, like if, if we don't win the North, it's a disaster of a season, like disaster. And I still believe yeah. that. I still believe no, but that. making the semi making the semifinals would have been kind of okay, and that should have been yes, that would have been fine because then you've at least won won a couple series with this group. It would have been. So okay. I don't think you could. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But I don't think you could sit here today and be like that's that would have been more disappointing than what happened this year for the Leafs. I don't think you can say that. I don't know though because as I said, like you get this jadedness where and like I I actually can't give you a take on that because I haven't been there. Like I'd like to think, yeah. I'd like to think that I'd be more disappointed by a finals loss than than losing three one. But like, keep in mind, like, there's been the four one Boston loss. There's been the three one Montreal lead. There's been the three two Boston lead. Like all of these things have just completely desensitized me to any sort of pain. So like, the only reason I guess that I'm saying that the finals loss would be worse is because that'd be pain that I hadn't felt before having success and then falling short. I never, I don't, I don't have this success part. It's just always falling short. So like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right at the end of the day where like I'd be probably be okay with it, but like, good Lord, can I just get there? Because I I'm ready for new pain. Like give me new pain. Like, like just like, give me this losing in the finals thing. I prefer to win but give me this losing in the finals pain because you know what? I've already, I'm already like, if you cut my back, like there's no blood coming out. It's already so scarred just by being whipped back and forth every single season for my entire life. 
Yeah, but like just going kind of back on that Jays talk, like we suffered as Jays fans for so long. And then that year was awesome. And those are memories that everyone's going to remember forever. That Batista bat flip, the Edwin walk-off in the wild card game, yeah. these are things that we're going to remember forever. I wouldn't trade those for missing the playoffs and going through what we went through for 20 years as Jays No, fans. I know. But the only those were so much fun. But they won two back-to-back World Series in 92-93. I know we weren't alive for that, but at least in terms of like their existence, they've had success. Like in recent memory, I mean, 91... Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, 91, 92, 92, 93 is a lot later than 67. We're like, my oh, my father has not seen a Leafs Cup. Oh, yeah, trust me. I remember it quite vividly because the Jays and the Habs both won in 93. So literally the year before I was born, both of my teams won the, won the championship. So that's always fun. Well, and then the Raptors came into existence. It did nothing for whatever, how many years. But I don't know. It's in a weird way. Uh, like this nightmare season is over like that. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, a secret that I wanted, that I didn't want the Habs to win. I mean, that is, that literally would have been the worst season I ever would have seen as a Leafs fan. Like that was the worst possible case scenario. The worst, if the Habs would have won, well, it would have been over. Well, you saw it from J.D. Bunkus on the Fan 590. He didn't tweet out, oh, Stanley Cup champions Tampa. First thing he tweets out, this nightmare is finally over. There were so many Leafs people who were like, it's just a nightmare. If the Habs won, it just, it almost like, why watch hockey at this point? Like the Leafs are just as such an embarrassment. And then the Habs, the year the Leafs had the easiest path, which clearly not true because the North was better than everyone thought. Yep. We've got into that before. But yeah, like it would have just been horrible because it's, you thought it was a Leafs year and then the Habs go into it, it would have been, yeah, an absolute nightmare. I mean, yeah. But I guess that's that's one of the other things too, I guess the difference between the Habs and the Leafs is the Leafs' big players were kind of a big issue in the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't show up. They didn't show up once again in the playoffs where Montreal's biggest, youngest stars showed up big time. Suzuki finished fourth in playoffs in points. Like these guys showed up big time and they're super young stars. So I think that just adds to kind of – the contrasting thoughts and everything too. Yeah. There's so many. So yeah, like, I mean, I get kind of where you're coming from, but again, I wouldn't trade this for anything. This was still so much fun. How disappointing and kind of how much it sucks right now. It was a ton of fun. And I'm going to remember these moments and these goals and some of these stuff for a long time. It's, it was awesome. I mean, I, 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 I do get what, like, I do get it because like when I had season tickets to the kitchen Rangers and they went on that run, I think it was 20, uh, 2018. I think it was 2018, 2017 sometime in there. Um, you know, they won in overtime in game seven, like at, at the odd. And it was unbelievable. They ended up losing. They didn't make it to the Mario cup, but like, you know, like I, I get it. Like it, it was good. Um, but you know, as I said, to wrap it up, I just think that, you know, it's for, for, for the has, I mean, it, it just to me shows that. And I think this has been proved every single year in the NHL. Now I know Tampa's won back to back, but I really do believe that. I, I think that the NHL is, is one of the best leagues in the world. It's, it's, it's great for fans because anybody at any given time can win. You have to get a hot goalie. You have to, you know, your best players have to be like your best players. If you have a loaded lineup, look at Colorado, guess what happens? You don't show up. Your goaltender doesn't show up. You don't play like a team, you lose. 
and and better teams or teams that aren't as talented on paper but show enough grit show enough grind you know put in the effort they are successful and it's just it's a great thing overall for the league in my opinion that the Habs did what they did because it just shows once again just like LA showed now LA ended up winning the cup but like LA eighth seed down 3-0 to the Sharks they come back and they win the Stanley Cup like there's very, very, very few leagues where that's going to happen. I mean, you look at all the other sports. Um, you know, Falcons blow a 28-3 lead. Okay, fine. That's one example in a Super Bowl that happened. That almost never happens. Um, NBA. I mean, Chris Paul's done it. Like, Chris Paul's blown a 3-0 lead. Um, but, again, 3-0 leads in the NBA, it almost never happens. It's so, so rare just because the parity in the NBA is just not, um, not generally – as as it is in the NHL. So I don't know. It's just kind of a loving for the NHL. I love it. I, I am happy that it's over, frankly, because uh I I just I, I need to move we just I just want to move on, get to next season and um I let's let's circle back here and just talk about I just want to talk about two things about uh about uh this Tampa series with Montreal. Um a little bit about the post game and then I do want to just briefly talk about next season and just kind of what that is going to look like. Cause I think that it's actually quite a bit, an interesting conversation. So let's circle back here. Um, the refereeing in this series was better, but still bad. Like, I, I think, I think I game thought- five, sorry, I think game five, I know that you like, you know, like listener, friend of the show, uh, Nathan was, uh, I was watching with him and, and it's interesting from a, per- a perspective of like, and we had this problem when the Leafs were playing the Habs is everybody thinks that their team doesn't deserve the penalty. Uh, and everybody thinks that their team's guy, uh, should get the penalty call against them. But from what I could tell from a, from like an impartial figure, because at the end of the day, yes, I wanted the Habs to lose, but I actually wanted them to lose in game seven. Cause it'd be way more heartbreak for Habs fans. And is that mean? Yes, but that's just how it goes. Um, but I, I, you know, I, it looked like it went both ways, but you're saying for like, you were saying last night, like from a momentum perspective, it, it wasn't great. So the first four games were roughed fine. I mean, I could still have some arguments. The penalties were still heavily covered for Tampa. And part of the <clears throat> issue I really have is Perry and Gallagher. The refs don't like them. And it's quite clear. And that was a major difference in the first period yesterday. That first period was one of the worst officiated periods I'd seen all playoffs. Second and third were really good. They cleaned it up, weren't calling the ticky-tacky shit, and then they made the proper calls when they needed to. So it didn't end up making a difference because the first period ended 0-0, so it didn't matter. But, like, some of the calls they were making and some of the things we're doing were just absolutely ridiculous. Like, to have some of those things happen, like Perry gets elbowed up, high interfered with, and they call him for a dive. I'm like, that's not a dive. The one play, Coleman headlocked Caulfield, ended up high-sticking to Foley, and then just crushing Suzuki late, and none of those three things were called. It was just crazy some of these things that happened, and the first period I thought was horribly reffed, just with some of the stuff they were calling and not calling. After that, they cleaned it up. They kind of let one go on Edmondson that was similar to the Suzuki hit, but you can't be, just because it happens earlier, you can't be letting it go later. So I just thought well, that first period that's interference was one karma. of the worst refs. Like that, that, yeah, but you just can't yeah. do that. No, it makes sense. I mean, that's how games get away, like get away from you, though. But I mean, I, I, I said to you, like during the game, I was like, man, that hit on Suzuki was late. I'm like, if that's international hockey, that's a five minute major. Um, it's the NHL, so it's it's different. But like, 
in double IHF, like as soon as the guy doesn't have the puck, you can't hit him or you have to avoid the contact. That was like a thousand one, a thousand, almost a thousand two. Like seriously, a double IHF, like you're gone. I and I was saying to I was saying to Nate yesterday, I was like, man, like this is why, you know, some guys that come over from Europe where they just don't play as heavy hockey, they get they come over and get crushed and pushed around because they're like, Oh, I have some time. And it's like, nope. You move the puck two seconds later, and sometimes you get crushed, and the refs miss it. And, I mean, Coleman paid for it later. The Edmonton hit was fine. And I, yeah, like, you want to see it called both ways, but I was fine with it. I'm like, hey, like, there you go. Like, it's – there's retribution for you. Like, there's your there's your interference karma. And you knew – Edmonton knew what, knew what he was doing. Like, he knew exactly who it was. Yeah, I just – that one play by – that entire shift by Coleman just drove me crazy. Like – especially doing it against Montreal's skilled guys, like putting Caulfield in a headlock and then high sticking to Foley and then just crushing Suzuki all within 35 seconds of game time. I'm like, really? We're going to let these guys run around like that? And then just like calling Perry for four minutes in the first period for two kind of ticky-tacky, like that dive was not a dive. And then the hook, he lifted the stick and the guy kind of fell over both him and Weber. And he got called no, for a P- trip. I'm like, It was Petrie. Petrie got Petrie? the call there. Yeah. No, Petrie was in the box. It wasn't Perry. Petrie no, went Perry to the, was in the box. I thought it was Petrie went for the trip. No, mm. Perry got called for the trip, even though he lifted the stick. That's okay. just how much the refs. Well, I mean, they then, got they got the wrong guy, but he Petrie tripped him. But then they thought it was Perry. They thought his stick tripped him. Well, yeah, that's Petrie, a Petrie, and then Petrie wasn't a trip either because he just caught his skate like it was. No, that's the definition. But then even the refs trip, are so. The, not what that's not a trip. If you swing your not, stick in front of him and hit his lead foot and he falls, how's that not a trip though? He didn't hit his it wasn't his stick that got. He got Petrie's foot. He clicked foots, feet. See, I but like from even the angle the, I saw I thought he got his skate. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. The refs were so confused that when Tampa cross checked a guy, Montreal was starting a breakout and they just blew it down because they're like, <laughs> Oh, ref's hands up. Oh, it must be against Montreal, not Tampa. So just to ruin a completely good breakout, even though Montreal like price is starting to go to the bench and then they blow it down. It's like, what are you what are you doing? Yeah. So the first period was a joke. But, I mean, it didn't make a difference in the game. The second and third were good. That's when the goals happened. I mean, the one the thing, other thing I... Yeah, go ahead. The one thing I do want to touch on is we hear... I mean, we hear it in our one group chat how guys are like, oh, it's the elite scoring that needs to be better, and, and that's why you can't win. Who scored the Stanley Cup winning goal? Ross Colton. Yeah, nobody. Who scored in this series? Uh, nobody. Chernak, Chernak, Ruda, all these guys. Point didn't score a single goal all, all this series. They kept him off. Kucherov had game one that he was really good. He didn't score a ton. It's the depth players. And that was the issue in this series, in my opinion, is Montreal finally played a team that can match their forward and D depth and goaltending. And not only match it, they were better in a lot of those categories. So that was the biggest difference. And that's what gets it done in playoffs. And yeah, that's just my argument there. Yeah. Tampa has the elite scores, but they weren't the ones who got it done in most of the series. It was the depth players. No, I can't, I can't um, disagree with that. I mean, it's like the opposite of the Leafs where like, I mean, at least need everybody to play, but they don't. They didn't have the depth either. That's why. I mean, that's part of the reason they were a success. But although, ironically, it was the depth guys who kept them in it, like the like the Spezza and and Muzzin and all these guys are the guys who kept them in it, not not the big boys. But um, I feel like Perry and Gallagher are doing what Kerfoot does and Anderson too. Anderson was like all over the officials every single time I saw him, and like. To be honest, he was getting roughed up a little bit, but he was just giving it to the officials, like right in their face. And like we talked about this in the Leafs have series, and Kerfoot was doing the same thing. And then Kerfoot would get obvious. There was an obvious penalty against them. And guess what happens? 
you don't get the calls. Like these refs are like, and that that's my only thing with with. And maybe I, I didn't see Perry do it that much, um, but Anderson did it a lot. And I'm like, bro, like if you want to call, you gotta chill, cause like you know as a referee, right? If if a guy's screaming at you for penalties all game and something happens to him, you're like, fuck you. Like I'm not I'm not calling this. Like you've been spitting and yelling in my face all game. Like why would I call this penalty? Yeah, no, I definitely understand it against Anderson, but you watch Perry and Gallagher, and they don't really say that much to the refs overall. I know Perry in the past has been an issue with refs, supplemental discipline, but this playoffs, he wasn't. He stayed out of a lot of that. Of course, he's a shit disturber and gets in those areas. Yeah, you get the reputation call, right? Which is not right, but it is what it is. No, it was just a little ridiculous, especially in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. I'm like, this is just brutal. Like, you're not going to give anything he slightly does you're calling, but, man, he could get mugged. I mean... You saw him got mugged in the Vegas series and no call. Like, it's just a little ridiculous and it's tough to watch when you have two or three of these guys on your team who are important playoff players, and it's it's a little little tough. So, yeah, I mean, and, and Gary Bettman came out and kind of said like, "Hey, I really thought the, the Department of Player Safety did an outstanding job this year." Well, that's a joke. And then he's like, "Oh, I think the refs have been amazing." And I'm like, "Okay, obviously." Gary, Gary has to say that he can't come out and say, you know what? I really think the people that I hired are shit. The people that I keep employed aren't doing their jobs. You can't come out and say that, but I don't know I what mean, Gary. I got multiple issues with Gary Batman after last night, multiple issues so for the, Oh, well, first time since he took over in 93, the first thing he did when he started handing out the Stanley cup is he didn't congratulate the other team on everything they did. He completely ignored the fact that the Habs were there <laughs> every Stanley cup presentation since he took over in 93, which is by the way, the last time a Canadian team won it. And all he keeps talking about is how the TV ratings sucked in the U S they were actually way up in Canada this year. So I don't know if there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory there that he clearly doesn't want Canadian teams to win, but to not even like congratulate Montreal when he's done it, literally every other Stanley cup uh, presentation was a little weird. Did he, does he do it with, did he do it with Calgary and Edmonton and Oh four and yeah, he did. He did. They, there was videos of him doing it every other time except for last night. So I, you know what? I don't necessarily buy, I mean, I definitely think that he wants American teams to win because frankly, I mean, it actually is better for business. Like, it is. Like, you can't deny it. Like, I mean, they know that the Canadian market is strong and it'll be strong forever. That's just, that's the nature of the beast. But, like, they're they're, they're worried about, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're worried about that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think the one thing is, is and I, I mean, this is might be a little bit of a diatribe about this kind of stuff. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you you look at you look at what he says and 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 his actions and I think to be honest is I think he got really wrapped up in the fact that you know there's fans in the building and he was trying to congratulate them and 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 it's been so long since you know he's like oh it's been so long like we had the bubble last year but so I think he kind of got wrapped up in that moment so I don't know if I necessarily buy the buy the that kind of conspiracy aspect of it but again like. Yeah, it's better for ratings if they win in the U.S. It sucks that he forgot them, but it's it's just being in that moment, right? Like it really, and and maybe maybe he's doing it on purpose. I don't know, but like if you're if you're the commissioner of the league and last year you handed out the Stanley Cup to nobody in the stands, like a single usher, like just standing there with his, you know, picking his nose, like I don't know, like 
maybe you get out there in the fans and he was like, oh, they're booing me again. Oh, I feel so good about that. And then it was just like, ah, fuck the halves. Like, this is way better. Yeah, I just think it's more of a – I wasn't saying it's like a conspiracy against Montreal last night. I'm just like starting to wonder if there's something maybe against these Canadian teams a little bit just overall. And I'm not – like you go back to like 04 when Tampa won the Cup. There was – Calgary clearly won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Game six, that puck, we look back on it. And with the high – like everything you could do to the video now, that puck was in the net. You can clearly prove this Calgary should have won the Cup. So you get just some of those things and you're like, ah, I question it a little bit. And just with him not caring about the Canadian ratings and only the U.S. ratings, I'm like, Gary Bettman doesn't want Canada to win a cup. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, nobody win the U.S. I mean, they, they think it's their game. We all know it's not. So, I mean, all, it's pretty obvious because all, all the best players on and most of the players on the winning Stanley Cup teams are from Canada anyway. So whatever. I mean, not obviously the Conn Smythe winner Vasilevsky and not Kucherov, but. Hey, I mean, the captain of the team is a Canadian, so I don't know I don't know what else you want to say about it. So do we just want to transfer there? I know you mentioned his name, so do we want to talk about what happened after the game then? Yeah, I mean, I think that you and I have similar opinions. I've rethought it a little bit. I've seen some stuff about it, but um, in case anybody missed it, I mean, uh, Nikita Kucherov just comes out of, uh, of the room just for some, uh, for some press time, and... Uh, comes out just completely bare-chested uh drinking you know slugging back a beer this guy probably crushed like 10 beers in the room before he came out and he went on i tweeted this out on uh, out over six and just he went i was like he went full ovi what i meant by full ovi was just no shirt beer like just didn't give a just didn't give a fuck coming out of the room um but uh for anybody who didn't hear it i'm gonna play the the clip um just about what this this is kind of the one that it, the the viral, this went viral. Um, I'm just going to play this for you quick. And this, so this is Nikita Kucherov uh, after winning the Stanley Cup uh, and the Tampa Bay going back to back. It was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, Weissy, you MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year they, they gave Vezina to somebody else, number one. Oh, number one. Weissy took both cups. You know, he took MVP, and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today, and you know, he kept us in the game. And another shout out for, by him, remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy we. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted. The fans in Montreal, come on, they acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? John Romano, their, Tampa their, Bay Times. Their final was last last series. Okay. Okay. So you heard it from like that's the clip. And I love how it started. You know, Vazzy's the MVP. You know, that like Vazzy's the guy. He, you know, he he deserved it. Like I told him, it's like you're like the, you're the reason we win. You're the best player on this team. Yada yada yada. And then he just flames the Habs fans. Like, just absolutely just, like, fucking gut shot, like, off the top rope goes after Habs fans. So, as a Habs fan, Cam, I will let you give your opinion here first. Yeah, so right away, like, touching on all that Vazzy stuff, and when you want to talk about that and just go off a little extra on, like, how good your team is, 100% do it. You just won the Stanley Cup. 
It's that's what you should be doing. I don't care if you're hammered out there. Talk up your guys, say they were the best in the world because right now you are. So I loved it. Actually, I think that's great to see that from Kucherov, especially who's so quiet. But you just won the cup. You kind of like clearly broke some of Montreal's hearts. So you saw Shea Weber on the ice. You don't need to be attacking the fan base and the players. Like it's just gutless. Like to be going on like these fan base thought they won the cup last game. No, they didn't. They were just excited their team won a game. Did you watch the streets? They were excited, but they didn't riot like they won a cup. They didn't even do as much as they when they won game six against Vegas. It wasn't like that. And then just to kind of go at the players too, like it's just like he got a little gutless there and enjoy the moment. Go brag about your teams. You won the Stanley Cup. You 100% deserve to. But to me, it's just coming across as a sore winner when you kind of get into all that. Like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to rub it in, attack the fans and the franchise and all that. I get it. There's lots of rumors going out that there was fans and stuff uh, threatening some of the players. You hear that every year from a lot of fan bases. You had Justin Bourne come out and actually say Vancouver and Edmonton are the two worst franchises in Canada for doing that. But it happens all the time. So it's not the majority of the fan base. There's some fans who are like that for every franchise that cares in the NHL. Yep. Not just the Canadian teams for any franchise that really cares. And you know what? The only positive thing about all this is Kucherov won the cup and the Montreal fan base, how passionate they are. He's still thinking about that. So I'm going to take that as about a little bit of a positive. I just think it's kind of a sore lose or sore winner type thing to do. Like you don't need to do that. You don't need to cross those lines. Yeah, I mean, so like Mark Mathot tweeted basically that Kucherov can say whatever he wants, Habs fan can say whatever they want, and at the end of the day, it's entertainment business. So if it's entertainment, it's and he can he can just do whatever. Um, I I kind of agree with that in the sense that I I like that for once a player just went like went off script. I think like that to me is, is refreshing um, because you always get the same stupid ass answers where it's like, Oh yeah. Like we you know we got pucks in deep and that's how we won the game. Bodies out front shots on net, blah, blah, blah. I uh, can't describe the feeling yet. Like all, all that is the same. Um, I, I, I think it to like, to me, when he's saying like, oh, they they won their game, they celebrated like they won the cup. I wonder if he's thinking game six against Vegas, like, because I mean the police in Montreal cleaned out the fans pretty darn quick after game four, and you didn't get swept. So I mean that's, it's, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm off base here, but it's kind of like, it is kind like if you're gonna celebrate that you didn't get swept, it's kind of a loser mentality. The only reason that I think it's not in this case is because they were down three, one against the Leafs, So there was a bit of belief there like that. That I think is maybe the difference. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if he looked at them like celebrating when they beat Vegas and he's like fucking losers. Like they haven't done anything yet. And I, I get that except for, I don't also like, I'm so in the middle here because I also, I also don't get that because from a Habs fans perspective, you made the cup final for the first time in, uh, whatever, uh, 20, uh, 28 years. Like I, I, yeah, I would be just as excited. I mean, mine's a little, my throat's a little longer, but for a lot of those fans that are outstanding out there, this is the first cup final they've ever seen. So I don't blame them for being excited. I was that excited when the Raptors made the final. And they hadn't done anything yet, right? So, like, I, I totally get that. Um, so I think that, you know, his response does kind of come from that place of, um, you know, oh, well, we've been there, done that. Well, I mean, other fan bases haven't. 
right? Like, let's just keep this in mind. And I think that's maybe the perspective. Um, but hey, I mean, he's got people talking about it. So I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, is it good for the game? I think so. I hope I hope so. I just think probably he's a little upset that uh, he doesn't play with, for a franchise that's as passionate as a, that. He plays for a <laughs> franchise that can't sell out game five of the Stanley Cup final with the cup in the building. Did you hear that? No. That Tampa didn't sell out last night. They had like fans outside though. Yeah, but nobody bought the tickets. They weren't a compl- they weren't considered a sellout last night. So I, I will. By the way, f- I, I do want to shout out the Tampa fans because it was like the edge of a hurricane yesterday. Like legit. Like there was supposed to be a hurricane in Tampa last night. Went the other way, but they basically were in a tropical storm, and they panned to Tampa fans that were outside that building, like sitting in the rain. And I was like, man, like, like shout out Tampa fans. I know it's. E- I mean, if you are almost guaranteed to win a cup in game five and you won the year before and you've got them on the ropes, I mean, how would you not want to be like that? Not the same as Montreal, not the same as Maple Leaf Square. Like, it's it's just not, it's really not the same whatsoever. But, I mean, there's definitely a couple hundred fans that were sitting out in the rain. So, I mean, good yeah, for them. Yeah, they just, them, like, com- compared to the, like, Vegas and stuff, like, that building was not nearly as excited as Vegas and how pumping Vegas was in the semifinals. And then, I mean, the 3,500 in Montreal were pretty loud for being uh, 7,500 and not 3,500. But Yeah, can we talk about that for a second? No fucking way that was 3,500 people. Like, did you see the can- like the camera shots? It was like 3,500 people won- in the first game against the Leafs. And then they took a camera shot of the 3,500 in the Stanley Cup file. And I was like, absolutely not. There was definitely more people there. They, they 100% they were just like, fuck it, we're selling more tickets and just snuck people in because that's what Montreal would do. That's the type of city that Montreal is in. They're like, oh, whatever, tabernacle, we do it. We, we put people in the building. Like, we don't care. Bergevin probably single-handedly went out, like, with a duffel bag, stuffed fans in with his red suit, dragged him in the building, like, him and his security crew. Like, seriously. Like, I, I loved it. I was like, man, they don't give a fuck. They're like, we're putting fans in the building. We don't care. So what the they did have somebody. Says. Yeah, they did have somebody on Twitter who I can't remember who it was, but they did a count, and I think they had just under seventy eight hundred <laughs> in there. So it was well more than double thirty five hundred, and everybody knew it. Oh my but god! Who's, like, is seriously any like bylaw or government official no. going to go in there and start handing out tickets? Oh man! Like, no, you're not going to do that. You're you'd get mugged outside trying to <laughs> like. It's not yeah. going to happen. Could so. you imagine, like, the health unit just comes in, like, mid-game. It's, like, middle of the second period, and they just, like, push the buzzer. They're like, uh, COVID violation. Everybody in the building, you're all fine, $800, and you got to get the fuck out. This game's over because of health. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, but it's so – I mean, that whole thing was ridiculous. I'm, like, you you can't say, oh, we're only going to have 3,500 uh, fans in the building and then have, like, 10,000 people in the street. Like, that is just garbage. Yeah, the biggest argument for it was because they didn't want to set a precedent for concerts and other events going on because the NHL actually has followed protocols crazy well and they've gone above and beyond what the government regulations have been for the most part. So that was the argument the government made, which does make a little bit of sense, but it doesn't at the same time when you consider everything, but you don't want to set a precedent for concerts. So I just got one more question and then I think we kind of got to move on. How did you feel about that Leafs fan in game four sitting in the Bell Center? Um, I... I actually loved it. Like everybody, like the least nation, like we just get chirped the shit out of, um, for not having like passionate fans and like all our, like all like we're suits in the building. But like this gritty guy 
Like, the balls on this guy. After you lose 3-1. Now, I actually was wondering this. Is, like, did he lose a bet with a friend? Like, was it actually a Habs fan who lost the bet uh, somewhere along the line? It was, like, like, you, like for example, like, you and me are drinking at a table, like, at our friend's house. And he's, like, okay, whoever wins this game of beer pong. Like, we're both Habs fans. Whoever wins this game of beer pong has to wear a Leafs jersey to the final game. And he's, like, oh, no, fuck, hopefully not. Um, I don't think that's actually the case, but... This guy just is like paid what ten grand for a ticket to hate watch. I mean, the dedication is like is next level. I honestly think if this guy's a real Leafs fan, that the Maple Leafs need to like get him a ticket for a game and just be like, yeah, like this guy, this guy is an absolute bleed blue leafer. I loved it. Did the Habs win that game or lose that game? They won the game because it was game four. Dang it! So I mean, hey, Le- so he was he was there to try and watch the sweep. Oh, well, I mean. Classic, classic Leafs fan where we blow it or that, you know, where we, we just get disappointed. It's anytime there's a Leafs jersey in the building against the house right now in Montreal, it doesn't work out as well as we want. So um, anyway, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, any final comments you have about this? I mean, this is kind of the wrap for our NHL season. I mean, we ended the season. Um, I ended the season on a hot streak. Perfect locks for the season. We were both above 50% on our picks. Um, obviously when the season starts up again, we're going to hopefully have a full 82 game season. So, I mean, the chances of us getting our locks all season or might be a little bit lower. Um, but I'm excited because we're going to have games against other teams. Like we're going to have, and I think this is actually where I want to go. Um, unless you have final comments about Habs in Tampa, but I kind of want to get into what the Atlantic division is going to look like this coming season. Cause it's going to be wild. But do you have any final comments about Tampa and Montreal? No, the better team won at the end of the day. I think there was a lot of reasons for it. I still believe that if Montreal played their game plan, this should have gone six or seven. They just didn't get the goaltending they needed to, and they didn't play the way they needed to. But all the credit in the world to Tampa. They were the better team, and it showed why. I think it'll be interesting the next two off seasons, but we'll see. I know there's already talks about Kalorn being on LTIR with a broken fibula all there next year. There we go. So we'll see. See what else Tampa can pull to try and get there next year. But no, all the credit due to them. They used the rules to their advantage. It wasn't changed in 2015 with this, so it's not going to change anymore. Uh, but still, this was a super fun season to be a Habs fan, and I'm just excited for the next 10 years being a Habs fan with a couple of these players. So, Do you want to hit me with one yeah, more? This... One more Ole. No, I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm too somber for an Ole right now. <laughs> hey, I gave you the choice. I gave you the option. Um, but Hey, you know, we're only 96 days away from the start of the NHL season. So, um, well, and we got the expansion draft is mm-hmm. less than two weeks away. So we'll got to touch on that next week. Yeah. So but we, I just, just got to circle back to that Atlantic comment. So the odds for the Stanley cup for 2022 came out today. Five of the top eight odds are the Atlantic division. Yeah. A maximum of five Atlantic teams can make the playoffs maximum because the Metro can steal one or two of those wild card spots. So they're only guaranteed three spots. Yep. And it's even worse because I don't know if Colorado and Vegas are one and two in Stanley Cup odds again next year. So you have like two divisions basically covering the top eight now for who they think is the Stanley Cup favorite. And this, this division is going to be crazy next year. Like you have five teams who legit have a yeah. cup chance. I mean, four teams. I don't know if the Leafs really do. Yeah, though, I'm, they're going to fill the gaps. Don't you worry, buddy. Our bet is still alive by the skin of its teeth. I actually bet on the Habs in this series, the hedge. 
because we yeah, you're and, starting to get a little nervous. I was beat Vegas. I was sweating. I was sweating. I mean, Cam and I had it's a it's how long is this bet? Is it permanent? Is it just for whoever wins first? I think it's got to be permanent. Yeah, it's yeah, permanent. It's be permanent. I'm good with that. So we like if you listen, this was an early podcast too. This is like early, early. This might be like episode six or seven. But we basically had the bet of like, okay, first team to win the cup. The other guy has to pay him hundred bucks, and Cam almost wins in the first season. We make the bet. I was choked, um, but the bet lives on. Um, man, I the, the the Atlantic, like seriously, man, like it's it's crazy. I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier too, like the Metro is on the downswing, but holy smokes, man! Like I remember, um, I think it was five six years ago when the West was just stacked. Like everybody in the East was like, meh. Like the Leafs are like the Leafs are making it in the playoffs with not that many points, and you look at the West, and every team from the Atlantic was just getting smacked around by LA, um, Chicago. Like it was just nuts. Vancouver, like Boston, was really Boston and Pittsburgh were like the only saving graces. A little bit of Washington, but for the most part, the East sucked. And then now you look at the East, and you're like, uh oh, like I don't know. We might have to go through this. I think we will, like, obviously, before the season starts. And once we see kind of what happens with free agency, what happens with expansion draft, what happens with all that kind of stuff, and just kind of try to break down um, our rankings for the season. But, man, like... Yeah, I mean, just quickly, quickly touching on it. Like, you assume Tampa with... They're losing their entire third line. And they got a couple other things to figure out. Plus, even losing their entire third line, they're still over the cap, technically, to start the year. So they got a lot to figure out this offseason. So you kind of got to assume they're going to be slightly worse. Um, I think Boston still, I think they're kind of on a downward trend. I know they have a couple really guy, good guys, but I don't know if they're on an upward trend anymore. They got to figure out that goaltending situation, which is completely up in the air. You look at Florida, they're definitely on the uphill. If they get Ekblad back for the playoffs and stuff, they're definitely a team he's looking up. Leafs, I really don't know what to think. If they're going to be better, worse, the same, it's... They're kind of, I really don't know. They got a couple interesting things to figure out this summer as well. Then we touch on uh, Montreal, and really, I Montreal doesn't have that much to figure out. It's just really Philip Deneau. What you want to do with Philip Deneau, and then what the expansion draft, because you could lose Sherrod or Edmondson. So that makes it a little more interesting. So, But I don't see them, especially with these young guys getting a full season of Caulfield, them being any worse in the regular season at least. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to make the finals or anything. Well, the big thing this but. year is going to be injuries, right? Like like this past season, you could get away – like with – the way the divisions worked, like basically there was four teams per division other than I yeah. think the – like that was pretty obvious what was going to happen. And COVID was involved in other things like that. But for the most part, it was pretty obvious when you, when you have to play everybody and like you were talking about the pesky Sens, and I'm like, man, I think the Sens could have some trouble this year. Cause like, I know that the East is not like some of the East is not as, is not as good. Like you got to play Buffalo and, and Detroit and all them, but I'm still on the side of like, yeah, I mean, it, it, I look at the fact that Edmonton just crushed Ottawa every time they played for some reason, the Leafs, the Habs, whatever, they just couldn't figure it out. But if if the Sens are... I think that plays into the Sens' favor, though. I think they'll be better against some of these things. And you just think, look at their roster and how young they are. Like, Stutzel is going to be a stud. Like, he's so good. Shabbat, Kachuk, you had all these other young guys. Batherson. I just, yeah, I think they're going to take a massive step and that's and stuff. And they just look really good. I mean, I don't see them making the playoffs, no. especially in this division. But... 
they're not going they're going to be in hard out every single game. You can't just it's not like you're walking into Detroit or Buffalo. Depends on Matt Murray. Well, yeah, depends on especially Detroit. Detroit's going to suck again. Um, but um Oh, and Buffalo, depending on what happens with Eichel. Like, I think th- this is what I love about the end of the NHL season is that we then get to look forward and talk about all the hypotheticals, like, moving forward into next season, and it's wild. Um, we are going to – like, we'll get into this more. Like, we can basically talk about this all night, but we'll get into this more. Um, we got the expansion draft coming up in a couple weeks. I think – like, I, pr- I would like to do a kind of a mock draft and try to fit – Yeah, we – we got to do a mock yeah. draft and I think full preview next week. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense. Gives us a little time. Yep. And I think we're like, we got to, and the thing is too, we got to, we got to figure out how it's going to fit salary cap wise too. We can't just pick like, you got to like your picks got to fit in. Like as long as you're between the, as long as you're between the, the floor and the ceiling, I mean, it's a valid, it's a valid mock, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I haven't looked into it uh, a whole bunch. I'm going to do that over the next week. Obviously, I've given my Morgan Riley take and other takes like that about it. But um, Seattle Kraken starting this fall, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Um, NHL off seasons maybe not quite as exciting as the uh, as the NBA, but um, there's always rotating storylines every single year. Vets are moving different places, and anytime it's an expansion year, same as when Vegas came into the league. It, it was wild just to watch the trades and all this kind of stuff. Probably less trades this year, but you're already seeing stuff get moved though. Like Nashville just had to move Arvidsson. who was a 30 goal scorer for not a whole lot because they didn't want to lose him in the expansion and they already have other guys they got to protect. Mm-hmm. So I think how much teams want to avoid making deals again, they're going to have to because they want to avoid guys and hopefully Seattle just does the right things and makes the right moves. Cause you know, there's teams like Detroit and stuff who can take on salary and, is it'll be interesting. There's going to be moves over the next two weeks leading up to the draft, and it's going to be exciting. Even, like, from a Leafs aspect, like, we were talking about, oh, well, Dermott's uh, whatever. He's – who knows what's going to happen with him. Like, maybe they can let him go. And he signs up 1.5 AAV, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't know if the Kraken are going to pick him up at one at 1.5 now. Like, I'm, like, I don't even know. Like, I legit – like, it just it, – it's changed. Like, we thought, oh, like, he might be a target – and it's like, oh, nope, he signed a 1.5 AV. And it's like, ah, okay, so maybe not him because they need to hit the floor. Like, it's just crazy. Like, seriously, every single day, every single week that goes by before this thing, like, this is kind of why we have to do the mock draft, like, legitimately the week before because it could, it could change in, like, a day. Like, if we did a mock today, by the weekend, it, it might be done. Like, it might be gone. Yeah, so we got lots of time to deal with that next week. Is there anything last minute you want to touch on this NHL season, Mark? No, nope, I love the NHL. I, I'm still I'm still bitter. I'm still salty. But onwards and upwards for the post-pandemic NHL season. Let's fucking go. Go Leafs, go. Can't wait. Where do you want to go with this? Do we want to talk a little tennis or do we want to talk a little baseball? Mm, let's talk baseball because the Jays – lost another game to the Orioles. I don't know how the fuck we keep losing games to the Orioles. Like it drives me nuts. How, like they're they're so bad. They're they, they they're terrible. And we and I know it's baseball there's 162 games. You can't when you're in a race to try and get a wild card spot, maybe sneak into the division. I don't really know. It's get like getting getting a second. I don't just you you, you can't lose to Baltimore ever. You need to be the good teams are sweeping the shit teams. You need to keep 
God, it just drives me nuts. Like, you can't lose, was it 7-1, 7-2 to Baltimore? No, they lost 7-5 and then won 10-2 last night. So okay, sorry, 7-5. They were down 7-2 and they got a couple runs back. But still, you can't, you cannot give up seven runs to Baltimore. Like, what is going on? And, like, Ryu yesterday is on the mound, and it's fine. Like, I'm not worried about it at all. And Anthony Kay comes in in, like, the seventh inning and just fucks the dog and, like, walks the guy, gets up, like, three hits. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, we still – I know we, we just traded we just traded Rowdy Telez for another pitcher, by the way. This is the second yep, week in a, Richards. Well, this is the second week in a row that we've talked about them training for pitchers, and we're still blowing it. Like, and I know, okay, well, we didn't actually give up runs, yada, yada, yada. But, like, it's it's not in that situation that I'm worried about. When you're up 10 to, like, 10-1, you give up, like, Anthony K comes in, walks a guy, gives up two base hits, uh, hits, a, like, box or gives up an error, and we score one run. Like, whatever. I don't care about that. But if that is in, like, if it's a 5-4 game with, like, the season on the line, that's what I'm concerned about. And also, what but was it? It's a 5 4 game. Game with the season on the line, Anthony Kay's not seeing. No, I know, I know. So that's those are the games where you want. But to like, him what? In. Okay, I'll give you this hypothetical. What if he has to go in because of injury or because uh, other guys are tired and they're not in there? Like, like that's what I'm saying is like you look at the good teams, the MLB who MLB who win, and it's like everybody they pull out of the bullpen. They're like, oh yeah, this guy's had success. Oh yeah, this guy's this guy's good. I mean, he can give us a, a solid inning. He might not be able to throw thirty pitches, but he can probably throw like twenty. Like, like, that's what you need. Like, just having the fact that we're walking out a guy who just comes out and just absolutely just, like, it, he looks like a 12-year-old pitching to men. Like, I don't know what's going on there. We got to figure this shit out before it's too late here because I just can't. Like, we had this conversation last week where, <laughs> where we were joking. Like, I think it was Jays were up, like, 12-2, and our buddy Kyle is like, hey, you think this lead is safe? And I'm like, no, it's actually not. I don't feel like 12-2 is safe anymore. Even 10-2, I'm like, holy crap, the bases are loaded in the six. Like, oh, my gosh, one swing of the bat, and this is a 10-6 game. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to get healthier in the bullpen and picking up those two guys. I still think they probably want one more arm. And then I still think my big argument right now is if Nate Pearson is healthy, he needs to just be in the pen this year. He's going to be on a huge inning limits and everything else. We got to do what we did with Aaron Sanchez that one year, the first year that they made the playoffs there and just run him out of the pen for this year. Get those inning limits back up. Just let him throw. You know, you can, he can be there. And then in the off season, spring training, he's a starter next year, but you need help in the pen. The guy has a crazy arm, crazy stuff. I think that's a really good option. I know he's still dealing with that groin injury, but they are starting to get healthy. Merriweather should be back. Barucky might be back. So Kay and Trent Thornton, who blew it the night before, uh, they're not going to be on. Goodbye, Trent. They're not going to be. Yeah, they're not going to be playing much more. And and so they are on the right step. I still think they want one, at least one more relief pitcher, probably in trade. And then I still think you need one more starting arm just to help out because I know Anthony Kay and Trent Thornton can be that guy, but I don't really what? want them to be on the fifth. Absolutely not. No, my father-in-law basically. We were trying to figure this out. Trent Thornton is the guy. He was like, he's my father-in-law was basically like, yeah, uh, he didn't, we didn't have the name, but he's like, I don't know whoever pitched that inning, but he needs to walk off the mound into the bowl, like into the dugout, into the dressing room, out the door, into his car and never return. And I'm like, I can't actually disagree with that. Cause I, he's just not good. It's just not good. Yeah. He's still semi young and he showed some good signs. So I'm not completely tossed on the manor. A, you'd ideally want a guy like Trent Thornton to be your seventh starter. 
He's a guy who can pitch innings in AAA, and if you had a couple injuries, he can come in and kind of be that guy. He can but come in and really pitch six. He can come in and pitch an inning in the sixth. That's it. One batter, the worst batter in the lineup. That, I'm fine with that. Like I, know, I, I think ideally, ideally for Trent Thornton and Anthony K, you want them being like your sixth and seventh starters, guys who can get you four or five, give up two or three runs to start a game. That's where they've been. They've kind of been those stretched out guys. So that's what you want to be. But yeah, they do need to still improve it a bit, but they're doing the right things. They weren't scared to move off a guy like Rowdy Telez, who showed signs, who's still semi young, to get a good arm for the pen. Yeah. So I like to see that. Rowdy didn't really have a spot in this lineup with how they are. So to me, made a ton of sense. And they're making the right moves and they're somewhat going for it. So it's nice to see that. And like Rowdy's like one of those guys that like you just don't need right now. Like, as much as, and, like, this is the beauty thing about the way that they've drafted, the way that they've done their, like, that they've operated their their team is, like, they have the depth where they can be, like, yeah, we got a solid guy and Rowdy. Like, he's not great this season. He was good last season. And, like, we can we can part with him because our lineup, like, is stacked. Like, our rota- like it, it's just from one to nine. Like, it like we're not afraid to put anybody out there to hit. We don't need this power hitter. We got everybody we need. Like take him, give us a decent reliever. Like I love that move. And I it's be, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say like that that that's the next part of the the puzzle here is is that you know trade deadline's July 30th and it's approaching quick and it's like I don't know what else you give up to get like to get the pitchers that you need. I I mean I don't I can't claim that I know our farm system that well, but um, like that's more of what you need, right? Get rid of the guys who are good, but also dispensable because you have a young core already, right? Like you have that core, you have that hitting core. You don't necessarily need that, that secondary kind of up and coming in two years hitting guys. Yeah. My kind of bigger take is I think Lourdes Gurriel is going to be the guy moved for a really important Ooh. piece. This guy's young. He's controllable. He's got a good contract and he's major league ready. But with the amount of outfielders the Jays have, they don't really need him at the moment. And I think he's something that can give you a really nice return. Not just a return for this year, a return that's going to help you for two or three years, whether it's a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, or two. I think that's kind of a bigger move because you just look at their outfield. You have Springer, you have Hernandez, you have Grichik, you have uh, the guy they picked up last week. Like They got a lot of outfielders. I mean, you've even seen Biggio occasionally plays in the field, so you got all these guys. I think Gurriel's a piece that can bring you back a lot, and he's dispensable because that's a position of strength, and I think that's part of the reason they picked up the other outfielder last week is because they could mm. make a move like that. But that's quite a large move that I think is going to happen is, closer to the trade deadline. That is spicy. Your, your opinion power, but, pineapple boy, the rocket arm in, in right field, you're, you're sending him out the door. I mean, somebody's got to go. Like, you can't give up nothing to get something good. I think that's the thing. And that's what you're saying is you got to give up something. And I don't think that's a bad take. I mean, the infield isn't going anywhere. Like you're not getting rid of Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, obviously Um, you're not getting rid of Simeon. Simeon. Yeah. You're not getting rid of Simeon. (laughs) Like there's no chance. Right. So then you go through the rest and you're like, okay. So, I mean, you're kind of right. There's one guy like Springer ain't going anywhere. Like, absolutely no. not. Teoscar and Springer are two of your outfielders. They're both starters in the All-Star game. Teoscar, or sorry, Springer's not, but Teoscar is. He's a starter in the All-Star game. So you Springer have wasn't Springer. hurt, he could have been. Yeah. So that's another quick thing we never really have got around to is they have three All-Star starters and a reserve in 
Vlad, Simi, and Teoscar are all starters in the All-Star game. Vlad led the votes by a ton. He was first place by a mile. And Bichette got picked up on the reserve team. So that just guys. shows you how good this lineup oh, is. Yeah. And you know, like you look at a guy like Springer, could have easily been there if he had played the entire year. Grichik couldn't have been far off with the year he's having. So there's a lot of signs there. And that's where I just think like Springer and Teoscar are in your outfield every day. And yep. then you have guys like Grichik and stuff who you're really happy to put in the outfield. That's where I just look at it. And I'm like, Guriel's just a young piece who could get, bring you back a lot. Who's expendable. So that's just my thought on the ordeal. No, I, I, I yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. I, I did want to shout out Shohei Otani, man, this guy, not only does he absolutely rake, I'm pretty, how many, I think, is he at 30 home runs now? I think he's at 31. Now. Holy shit. Like, I don't know, like, this guy, just so you know, could get a random PED test because it's outrageous what's going on. The first player ever in the All-Star game to pitch, so to make it as a pitcher, and he's going to be a rotational player. Like, he's going to he's gonna DH, and he's going to pitch in the All-Star game. That is just wild. Like, I, like th- there's an account on Twitter. It's like pitchers who rake. I seriously think that they need to just change it to Shohei Otani fan club. Cause this guy, every single game is just belting home runs. Like I, if you, if you told me this guy, this cat was a pitcher, like there's no way, like the way that he swings the, like it's unbelievable. It is just absolutely unbelievable. Like think about it. Like Vladdy Guerrero. Could you imagine Vladdy Guerrero on the mound? No way. No chance. Ain't going to happen. Like it's just, it would be horrible. And, then, and, like, he's built to hit home runs, and Shohei is just coming in and being like, yeah, I have the lead in home runs now. Sorry, Vlad. I know you're a power hitter, but I, I don't know what it is, but just absolutely rips the ball. Yeah, I mean, now he's already – there's been some really good Japanese players in the majors, and he's already broke the home run record in a season. And we're not even at the All-Star game or the trade <laughs> deadline yet, which is nuts. Like, there's been – really good players even in our generation of Japanese players playing in the majors and he's just breaking the records already for home runs and like you look at Vlad and Vlad's like on base his eye and all that's way better as a batter but yeah just to be able to be a really good pitcher enough to make the all-star game and to lead the league in home runs is just ridiculous and like there shouldn't even we'll see a unanimous MVP to me it's not even close so there's it's unanimous at the moment who the MVP is in the AL oh yeah there's no, I mean, there's no question, but I mean, the, the one thing about Otani that I love, I saw this clip the other day was he's in the, he's in the dugout and he's just showing the one hitter, like the ball and like how he saw it move after hitting a home run. I'm like, can you like the advantage that this guy has, his vision must be unbelievable, but like, he's like. I'm sure that pitchers know when a guy throws or how he throws. Like, I maybe they don't have that time to think about it. But to me, it looks like Otani sees his pitch coming. He's like, "Oh yeah, he's throwing a curveball. Boom, goodbye." Or he's like, "Oh, here comes a here comes a fastball down the middle. Boom, goodbye." Like it's like that to me is a huge advantage. It's like they say, like uh, table tennis players, like they can see the spin of the ball when it comes off of the paddle, and I'm like okay, I can see the ball coming and I might be able to get there in time. These guys are like, oh yeah, I can see it spin based on this and this. And I'm like, I wonder if Otani, that's what he's seeing when these guys are pitching. Like he like just, he sees one finger on the side as he pitches and he's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Like 
the advantage that is. It's just crazy. I, I can't believe that more pitchers can't hit like this. Like, why is Otani special? That's what I can't figure out. It's like, what does this guy do that other pitchers can't do? Have you seen some of the pitchers go up and hit? They can't, they can't do anything. Like, if you look at the NL, like, these guys are basically automatic outs. The reason they, they yeah, gave I mean, a DH gotta... in the AL because they're like, oh, yeah, we don't, like, pitchers are awful. Yeah, I mean, you do have a few, like, Baumgartner and Stroman who show really good signs at the plate. Otani's batting average, I mean, it's still good. It's 270, but you compare it to, like, Guerrero's and his is 340. His batting average is as good as Otani's on base percentage. So yeah, he swings like probably a lot for a pitcher. Like, come on! Oh no, it's still no, it's phenomenal. But to be four home runs ahead of Vladi, he's actually at thirty-two Otani. It's because he swings harder every time. He has a lot more strikeouts and he misses more. So I think if Vladi kind of went that route, he could probably be ahead in home runs. But I mean, that's not to no undersell what Otani's doing. It's tremendous what he's doing to be able to do it at both sides of the plate like this. It's just it's ridiculous, and I don't know if we'll actually ever see it again. I mean, the one thing that I'll say about Vladdy too is like we like I like this Vladdy way better than old Vladdy. Old Vladdy, where he just swung out of his shoes every single time and like didn't care if it was four feet outside. He's like, I'm hitting this. Now you've got patient Vladdy, and you're right. Maybe he could have hit more home runs, but his OB, like his um, like his on base percentage is way better. His like just like just when he gets down and counts like well actually he gets down and counts less now, um, but even when he does get down and counts, just super patient, just waits and and yeah you're right definitely probably could hit home more home runs but he's being a way better contributor to the team, so but anyway, just wow yeah, I mean he's first in first in the league in average first in on base first in RBI second in runs scored, so just what he's doing is still crazy he's got like a 440 on base percentage. So that's getting close to every other time he's at the plate, he's getting on base. So that's kind of more ridiculous thing is he's doing all this and he really, to me, doesn't have a shot at the MVP. Which, yeah, I, I don't know. Could you imagine Otani wins MVP and he also wins the slugger award? What kind of, I guess he's a DH, I guess, considered for the slugger award. Cause I mean, he'd be obviously the pitcher one, but I think he'd probably be considered DH. For yeah, he, slugger. W- he would be, but yeah, if like he gets Cy Young votes and MVP votes, could you and imagine everything and Cy Young MVP silver slugger at DH? Like <laughs> this guy yeah, could it, just feel like this guy might win more awards. Like. Like split, like like more awards across the board than some guys win in their like most guys win in their entire career. Like that is just it's just insanity. Anyway, we're big fans of Shohei Otani on the show, like just absolute fans. Um, anyway, that's enough baseball. Hopefully the Jays are they winning yeah, tonight? I mean, What's the score? Are they not playing? No, today? it got rained out. Ah, uh, boo. <laughs> Postponed. I mean, it is wet. So there was everywhere. there was tweets about yeah the Jays Jays were teasing us last night. There just uh, it'd be really nice to have the roof right now, wouldn't it? Like, oh, you really got to do that to us right now? Actually, last... just tease this <laughs> Rogers Center. Well, last thing about that is, is I like we were talking about this last week about the Jays returning to Toronto, and they've submitted a proposal to the government that the uh, municipal and provincial government support. So they need the federal approval to do it. So that kind of takes away what we were saying. Like we were talking about, oh, maybe they don't want to do this because of the they they, they they must have some sort of a. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think they're probably bubbling, but like, by, I mean, I'm, my guess is is that by the end of July, they're thinking, okay, we're going to get into stage three in Ontario. 
We're going to have some sort of travel. We don't necessarily have to do this corner bubble thing. Like that must be what's happening. Yeah. The other thing that came out from the majors right before the announcement was every team in the majors is now over 90% vaccinated. So that's definitely got to play into this a little bit, but yeah, I don't know what the proposal looks like. So clearly they're not going to, if they're going coming with a proposal, I don't think they're going to quarantine and have to isolate both ways all the time. I don't think they'd have that in the proposal. I don't think they'd want no, to do that. No so I don't know what the proposal looks like, but that's exciting. I mean, we could be by August having some beers at a Jays game. That would be awesome. I mean, I think it, I, as I said, like we, we, you kind of said this too, like maybe in September and I'm, and it, it could happen. It could happen a bit earlier. Uh, that'd be awesome. I'm excited. I can't imagine that the federal government's going to turn them down. I mean, honestly, the provincial government's been so sticky on the whole thing anyway. Like most of the time, it doesn't even get to the federal level. Like most of the time, it's like, oh, the, like the Ontario sports minister is like, ah, no, absolutely not. Like look at the OHL, look at the CFL earlier. And they're like, ah, no, like, that ain't gonna happen. And so if they've signed off on it, I'm like, okay, there's no reason for the feds to, to not sign off on it. But guess we will see. That's exciting. We had a couple more things to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we're going to move right into Wimbledon. And as we've touched on before, we're big tennis fans. We've talked about Federer. We've talked about Joker. We've talked about Nadal. We've touched on who we think is the best there. But then last week, touching on Canadian sports. And like I said, this is the golden age for Canadian tennis, both men's and women's. And we got Denis Shapovalov at 10.30 a.m. tomorrow, or today, I guess, when you're listening to this, is facing the Joker in Wimbledon semifinals. And it's awesome to see. This guy's 22 years old. We just had Felix losing the quarterfinals at 20 years old in Wimbledon. Like, this is just awesome to see. Shapo's the number 10 seed. He's facing the number one seed, one of arguably the greatest tennis players of all time. So he's in tough, but, man, this is it's fun. It's fun to see him and just how exciting he was. You could see, like, especially when Felix was talking about it, he's like, oh, you see what Montreal's doing in the NHL? So these guys are paying attention. Why can't we do this at Wimbledon? And Chapo, right after he won the quarters, he's like, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Who was it that said that? It was uh, KG. KG. Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Garnett. Boston Celtics when they won. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a couple things I want to say about this. The first thing, though, is is the face of Canadians men's tennis is no longer Milos Raonic. I actually don't even know if no. this guy is going to have a chance at playing like being at a high level again. I personally feel like he's kind of done. Um, but it's wild to me that Shapovalov is only 22. I feel like he's been around for like seven years. Like as long, like it feels like forever. Like, has he not been around? Like, I don't remember what his first tournament was, but I feel like he's definitely been around for at least four years. Like he must've been an 18 year old playing for sure. Yeah. Same with Felix. They were both making tournaments at 18. So Felix has only been around for like two years and now Dennis has been around for like four or five and it's just crazy. And I mean, I don't know if Milos is done. He's still 21st in the world right now. So how still because he's played some good tennis when? over the last year. Have he's you made a, seen, when he, was the last time you see Milos play? He made a couple of tournaments that were quite good last year. So he's only two behind, uh, Felix in the world rankings oh right now. Yeah, but like that's but that's okay. That's still wild though because Milos like two years ago was what tenth, and Felix is just like oh yeah I'm here now. I mean there's what's Chapo? He's eleventh in the world right now. Like that's crazy that we have th- uh, three Canadians in the top twenty five. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I mean even when you were watching like the Davis Cup there, how good Pospisil's coming back from all his injuries. Yeah. He looks good again. 
Like, it's insane watching men's tennis right now. They are so good and so deep. And and they got to break through eventually, eh? Yeah, and you got to assume that, depending on what happens here, because we have the 14th versus the 7th seed in the other semifinal, I think if Chapo wins, he's going to be for sure in the top 10. I don't know if he loses if he is, but I imagine he's got to be close in points. So we're going to have another top 10 Canadian men's tennis player and how young he is. And... Yeah, I'm just. I, I really hope he can pull through tomorrow. I know. I know it's a long shot. It's the Joker. It's, I don't know though. I don't know. I mean, like, but, jo- like Joker when he was playing Titty Pass and was the French in the final. Like, he was down two sets to Love. Now he came back and won because he just has that resolve. Like, I think that's the biggest difference between this guy. Like, is like Joker gets down. He's like, oh, I've been here before. And a lot of those young guys, like Titty, like Titty Pass is, is sits. sits Sissy pass, sorry, I gotta make it's not titty pass. Sissy pass. Oh my gosh, it's such a Greek name. Like I can't even do it. Whatever, titty pass. I'm calling that. Um, like he just doesn't have the experience. I mean, he's only 24. I think he is 23, 24. He doesn't have that Joker experience. Um, but like if if Chapo can get to that point, right? Like Joker is not 25 anymore. Like this guy is getting old. I think he's 32. So he's not super young anymore. If you can get him running around the court a little bit, tire him out, and then just have that resolve, have that steely resolve where you're like, I'm not going to blow this. And that's what I think the problem with when Tsitsipas lost is that he basically was up 2-0 and Joker just took over the rest of the match. He was just like, no, I'm winning now. And and he couldn't do anything about it. He just he, he, he lost that third set and all of a sudden it was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. I'm playing the world number one. And that's, you got to just, keep keep attacking and i really hope that chapel can just you know keep the just you know same thing like stay stick with your fundamentals you know play your game just try to tire them out stretch the floor if you have to stretch out points like you don't have to and i feel like the other thing with young guys is a lot of the times when i watch like they're trying to hit these winners on these guys you don't necessarily have to do that keep yourself out of trouble stay in that t like stay in the right in the middle of that t and just make them run the court and just try to tire them out and take advantage of your opportunities. Don't try to force it because these veterans, they're not going to fall for that kind of crap. Yeah, but that's where you've seen from Chapel a lot is he's actually quite a bit like Nadal. I know the lefty adds to it that he seems more like Nadal because of that, but he is aggressive. And I think that actually plays into his advantage here is he's not scared to make shots. He saw it against Zverev, who was the number four seed who he just beat, who's also super young is he was just not scared to make shots as the match went on. He didn't start getting more conservative. He stuck to his game plan. And that's what he's got to do against Joker. He's just got to go out and do those same things and just take what's available, but don't be scared to try and make shots. That's what yeah. makes you successful. I don't want to see you just get away from that. And Well, not only that, just, though. Yeah, like, let, me, let me clarify. So when I'm saying don't force it, all I'm saying is, is that don't try to make shots that aren't there. Like, I'm okay if you're going to be aggressive. Like, that's fine. And that's how you get on the run is make those kinds of shots. But like when you're forcing stuff and you're trying to fit it into spots where it's not there, like that's what Sissy Pass got into trouble with is that he was trying to, he was trying too much, too many little drop shots, like too many um, back, trying to go, you know, full backhand winners across the court. And if you can do that, great. If, if, if it's there, great. Um, like be aggressive when you can, but it's also like you got to understand is that you don't have like if you want to attack him and be aggressive, absolutely do it. Is that your game? Awesome. Just keep in mind that you don't have to do that every single point because when you do that every single point, this guy's so good, Joker's so good that he's gonna know. 
and you're not and like especially when you're young right you get this up in your head and i mean like it's it's the same thing like when you're playing hockey as a young kid you you you, you get on a breakaway you clutch the stick a little too tight right you're like you're in that spot you're like ah little you just get all like even myself a couple weeks ago playing golf when i'm like plus seven and like plus seven is not great but i'm starting to grip the club a little tighter because i'm like man i can shoot my best round i've ever shot like you get that adrenaline pumping and you just start doing things you're not supposed to do so absolutely be aggressive just make sure that you're not forcing it just don't force it if it's not there don't try to get it in there yeah and obviously i want to see chapo win clearly and wimbledon final for him would be unbelievable yep. and it would be awesome to see, especially given the seven and 14 seed on the other side. But I just really, at the end of the day, I go, I want to see a competitive match. I feel like sometimes we've seen these Canadians get against Nadal, Federer, Joker in these positions. And it's like three quick sets and it's over. You got to try and push this. I want to see him have success and at least show that he can have success against Joker here, that he's not scared of the moment. He's not scared of the opponent. If he can make it five tough sets against Joker and he loses, I really think that's a success given how young he is. Just because it proves that he can stick with this guy and he can do that all. It's like Habs and so five. Think, it's like same thing. Habs and five versus Tampa. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're young. You got a good chance that you're going to like, it would absolutely shock me if we don't see Felix or Chapo win a major. It would be shocking to me if we don't see one of these guys. And I'm not considering completely counting out Milos either because his serve can still get him out of stuff. But over the next five, 10 years, we are going to see a Canadian men win a major in tennis. Yep. It, I just don't see any way it's not happening with how good these guys are. So let's try and make it this weekend. That would be exciting. If Bianca Andreescu can beat Serena Williams, there's no reason that Denis Shapovalov can't beat Djokovic. Like Djokovic, well, Djokovic doesn't even have the most majors now, so he can suck it. I hope he doesn't because Fed's my boy. I was sad to see Fed go out in the quarterfinals. I am worried that it's over for Fed. I think I I think it's pretty obvious that it's coming to an end, and that chokes me up. I've been a Fed fan forever. As a young kid playing tennis, watching tennis, I had the Federer racket. I still have the Federer bag in my garage, man. Like this guy is, was always the guy. Like he was he everybody. He's like the Tiger Woods of tennis. Like it just he's he's anybody who watched tennis in the early two thousands and and beyond. Like the the Federer was always the guy. Um, I choked to see him go out in the quarters, but. Going back to that point, if Shapo could, like if Bianca can take out Serena, Shapo can definitely take out Djokovic. He's like he's that good. You just got to remember, like the, the the difference between like one, two, and three is not that much. The difference between three and ten is not that much. Like it, the, the margin of error here is really, really, really small. Now, obviously, the big three always win all the tournaments. Like Djokovic is next level and arguably could be the greatest yeah. tennis player of all time. And I don't want that because Fed's my boy. <laughs> but like that, that could very well be the case. He's got more runway to go than Federer does. But the discrepancy is not that big. I think as as his career goes on, as he gets older, these young kids like Ojeales, like Felix Ojeales-Sim, Shapovalov, uh, Pass, uh, Sverev, like all these guys are just going to start catching him. And as you said, it's only a matter of time until Canadian men, Canadian man wins a major in men's tennis. And I can't wait for it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and that would just be kind of the how sad it is to see Federer go as being a tennis fan, a Federer fan. But if it's going to happen and Shapo's going to win Wimbledon that year, 
you, you're still super happy as a Canadian oh, yeah. tennis fan who's a Federer fan. You're like, oh, this could be a good passing of the torch. Then Federer loses at Wimbledon and Chapel wins. That's ah, okay. I, I think that's one of the things. I was talking about this the other day with um, with a friend of mine who's who's a big fan of tennis. And like, I was like, who are we going to cheer for? Because like Fed's always the guy that's there, right? And I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, like you got so many of these young Canadians here. I mean, Titty Pass, Titsy Pass is really good, but and I would like to cheer. You're just laughing at Titty Pass. That's what you're laughing yeah, at. I can't say his name. It's so okay, you say it. Uh no, I don't even try. I just what is his first name? <laughs> Stefano? I don't just know. Just call him that. No, you have Stefano. No one knows who you're talking about. Titsy Pass. Okay, first pass. Titsy Pass. It's you gotta put a CC in there. Titsy Pass. It's like T what is it? T S I T S no. T S I T S P A S. Titsy Pass. Getting you're gonna make me try and spell it now too? Titty Pass. Yeah. Titties, titty pass. Anyway, whatever. But yeah, no, like yeah. so many young Canadians. I love it. It's going to be awesome. And hey, 1030 tomorrow. I mean, we're all going to be at work. Like that's a shitty part about winnable. It is the worst. It's like, they're like, oh yeah. So by the way, semifinal game on a Friday at 1030. And we're like, oh, that's great. Perfect. Like, uh, that's why the U S opens the best, honestly, in my opinion, like Australian sucks. French is <laughs> sucks. U.S. Open's the best because at least we can watch it in normal time. Yeah, the only good thing is, though, hopefully we get to see Chapo on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. That would be much better because a Sunday morning, sitting around watching him in the Wimbledon final would be nice. Pour yourself a nice spicy Caesar. Watch Chapo play some scrub, some 14th seed that we don't even know who he is. I love it. That's what I'm – let's put it out there. We need some – you especially, you need to you need some pick me up this week. You need a you need a chapel win. Yeah, it would be great to see. So I mean, we also got to touch on the last major sporting event that's going on. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of avoided it. I've lost a little interest, especially with Denmark losing in the semis there. I mean, they were just such a fun story to keep cheering for. They were definitely for the bystanding fan, the favorite. Everyone seemed to want to see them do good, but I mean Probably the two the two best teams of the teams who deserve to be here are. We got England versus Italy this weekend for the Euros. And probably the two teams who deserve to be there. When I tweeted out from about over six that I I don't even want to see what happened to the bars after if England makes the finals, and sure enough, they did. And uh, I mean, as you said, like Denmark's a great story, uh, you know, especially with the whole Christian Eriksen thing earlier in the tournament. I mean, they were definitely playing inspired. Um, Man, I kind of feel like they got screwed in the semis. There. I really didn't think that penalty late. Like, that wasn't much. And and the, the the crazy part to me is is like I don't maybe I don't understand football enough. Like I might not understand soccer in the, in Europe enough because I look at that and I'm like that's nothing. And they're and they go to VAR and they're like, oh yeah, that's a penalty. I'm like, like what? Like how? Yeah, I mean, like. Technically, I guess it is, but like, you just that can't be the call to make the difference in extra time of the Euro semifinals. To me, that's just something you gotta let go. Like, I guess, like, yeah, I guess it's if you go by the letter of the law, but like, you're just kind of compared to hockey too. You're like, things like that can't be called at this time of the year to make to be a difference maker. It just can't happen. Well, and I wonder if that's, that's where, the that's the thing. Eh? Is like, is that what's calling the rule book in a big game? Is looks like. And like this is the thing is like yeah. we bitch about this and like people bitch about oh call the rule book and I and I've also I'm a proponent of calling the rule book, but I don't know if I want the I, maybe I don't want that anymore because if that's the rule book and that's what they call I'm like oh good lord and by the way did you see the penalty that Harry Kane took? Like okay 
the, the, the goalie makes the save. Great save. Read it the whole way. And the whole defensive line is like just standing there. Like I know that they're they're farther back, but like holy Christ, boys, like you gotta be running up. Like, what are you doing? Your goalie just bailed you. It's almost like they're like, oh, this is going in the net. And then he saves it. Like, oh shit. And then he puts it in the net. It's like, God, why? Like, ah, oh, I can't, I couldn't believe that. Watching the replay a couple of times. And like, seriously, the one guy's got his hands on his hips. The goalie saves it. He's like, oh no. Like, then he runs and it's in the back of the net by the time he even gets close. Like, ah, got it. It's just one of those things that happens on penalties because they're scored so often. When I played high school soccer, we used to have a trick playoff penalties where the guy kicking it would fake it, just get it to do one rotation so it's in play, and you'd have another guy just come because the goalie's already bit and just basically tap it in the center. So he'd be running full tilt from outside the box. All the defense is standing still because they thought, oh, this is basically an automatic goal or he's going to miss the net. So they don't bother. So you just basically got the ball to turn over once. Your other guy comes in and hits it, and it's an easy goal. Are you allowed to do that? So that's just, yeah, as long as it does a full rotation and they were onside. I actually didn't know that. I thought it had to like actually yeah. hit the net, the post, the goalie. You can just touch it. Yeah, the ball has to do a full rotation. That is wild. You scored that, and that, that was a play in high school? Yeah, we tried it a few times in high school, a little trick play. So I just basically half-faked the shot, get it to do a full rotation, and we have a guy running full tilt from outside the box, beat all the defenders to it, and tap it in because the goalie's got to guess. If the goalie doesn't guess, it's an easy goal every time. So it's not a play we could try multiple times on the same team, That's but we wild. tried it a few times. I didn't even know you could do that. What the fuck? Bro, what? That worked? Because you watch. Yeah, because you watch on. it. All the defenders are standing in. Because what? It's got to be like 99% of the time, either it's a goal or they miss the net. Yeah. The goalies rarely save it. So it's like why as a defender, you're just kind of standing around. You're not really trying to get back. Man. But yeah, I just... <laughs> yeah just touching on that so like okay skill, like sorry how do you do okay, that go ahead. how do you do that so like you like just like tap it or you like run over top of it and just like touch the top of the ball like what's the process there? yeah basically i run try and fake it and just get the top of the ball so it just has a little forward spin man that is ballsy. So like just get the just get the cleats to just get it enough yeah, luckily we, we tried it in practice a few times. It would be occasionally where I just miss the ball and then it wouldn't count. <laughs> so wait, what happens if you miss the ball? Like if you went to go to kick and miss it, do you get to try again? I actually don't remember. I think no, I don't think you're allowed to do that. So I just don't even remember. It's like we never you, actually did that in a game. It's like it's like somebody on the tee box. Cleats. Like somebody on the tee box, they yeah. miss a drive and they're like, Yeah, no, that's one. You should be able to kick it. I don't know. Yeah, because like I just you basically just try and get your you want to fake it so much that you have to take an aggressive kick and just get your cleats to basically get it to just turn over. So either I could sometimes get it really heavy or miss the ball because I'm just trying say, to just take the top. Did you ever like hit it heavy where it just like rolled to the keeper and he picked it up and was like, "Thanks very much." No, I actually like scored it in practice a couple of times by just banging it right in the middle of the net, and I'm like, "Cause the goalie still dove," but I'm like, "Yeah, that's not really what I was trying to do," but. Or you know, yeah, it could turn out bad, but it's you something can't kick you can it to yourself. That's, though that's the only rule. Can't kick it to no, yourself. No, you can't kick it to yourself. Okay. Somebody else. Can Somebody else has got to so come in. All right. Yeah. Well, look at that. So, I'm learning. So that's where, the, if the defenders are paying attention, it shouldn't be that hard to try and keep up with that guy, or at least half pause him. But nobody's ever paying attention, and that's what happened on that goal. So, but again, like just touching on that play, they weren't going to score from where they were there. So to make no. that play that. It's just, yeah, I don't think it can happen, and it's unfortunate to see. But end of the day, Denmark wasn't the better team. England was. They deserved to be here. 
And really, it's an exciting final. I don't really like either team, so I don't really see want to see either team win. But I mean, one I mean, of them has a, to, I guess. So in Ontario, there's huge English and Italian followers down here. Like I don't care yeah, what like, city you're in. Like from being just outside of Guelph and stuff, there's like massive Italians. I'm seeing Italian flags everywhere. So there's a huge Italian contingency. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It should be a good game. I mean, definitely something to tune into if you're a soccer or football fan. But uh, I definitely lost some interest this year. And, I mean, I'm more of a World Cup anyways because yeah. I think it's way more exciting when you get, like, Argentina and stuff and you get to see Messi and Ronaldo and everybody in it. So, well, but it's fine. Anyway, and it's, it's still gonna a massive be, sporting event. Hey, I, you know what? Shout out to my, to my friends in Scotland. They did not want England to win. I love that so much. Like, they're, like Scotland goes out and they're like, no, like, Fuck the British. Like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> is, is, is it any different than you versus the Habs this year? Uh, no, honestly, the same. They actually go and hate watch. I definitely know that some friends of mine went to the bar just to hate watch. Uh, and we're rooting for England to lose. And people, they were pissed about the penalty and uh, whatever. I loved it. I love the passion. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, we this has, been, I, this has been awesome. This has been a great pod. We had a shorty last week. We're a day late. I thought we brought the fire today. Um, lastly, I want to mention, and then I'll see if you have anything else is, uh, Canadian men's international basketball heartbreak, um, losing the checks in the semis didn't make the Olympics. And honestly, that is like, that is so leaf. Like that is like you, you, you have the best talent you've had in a long time with a legit chance to get there and not only get there, but actually compete. You're not going to win a gold medal. Cause I mean. We all know who's winning the gold medal. I don't think that's a like that's not a surprise. I mean, the U.S. is going to win for what the fifth a year in a row. I don't even know. Um, but you, yeah, you just look at this Canadian roster at full strength with the players they could have had who could have joined that roster, and you're like, man, they almost might be the second best team in the world. I mean, it's a far first. The U.S. is a far first, but legit Canada could compete for silver. And I mean, I know they were missing a couple of their better players in this event, but it's like, so was like Greece. They didn't have a Tentacupo there. So yeah, it's just super disappointing. This is such a good era of Canadian basketball and to miss out. And now it'd be another four years before they get the chance to do it. It was, it was quite heartbreaking just kind of watching and seeing it on Twitter and stuff. And you're like, this is just horrible. Especially this these young guys, to be man. A, supposed to be a super great year for canadian basketball the women have a tremendous team at the olympics they got a good chance at competing and you just thought the men were really going to compete for a medal and to not make the olympics is just brutal it's definitely kind of heartbreaking and horrible here that sucks i mean honestly though like i mean olympics are in a couple weeks um there's still qualifications going on by the way which is wild to me like a week before the olympics like the stress i know that like some guys have been, like some people have had this cleared for months and they're really like, Oh, I got to win this race or get third, or I'm not going to the Olympics next week. Like you got flights booked, like everything's like ready to go. And you're holy shit, man, that'd be so stressful, but I'm looking forward to that. Anything you got before yeah, we only, sign off? No, I just one quick positive thing about the Canadian men's basketball is at least we're finally getting all our big players to commit to the program. Yes. You even had Jamal Murray who wasn't there. He's like, no, any chance I get, I am playing for it. And he even had it with Steve Nash. He didn't play for Canada a lot, which hurt them a bunch. I know they did make the Olympics in 2000 with him, but he chose not to play a ton with them, which hurt the program because you didn't. Steve Nash doesn't want to play. Why would other yep. NBA top players go? But that's the only positive side to say about this era is 
you know all these guys are going to be there in four years and they shouldn't have to go to a last chance tournament next time they should qualify way easier if you have jamal murray and rj barrett and um alexander walker and shea gilgis alexander all there like that's the thing shea gilgis yeah, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Jamal Murray weren't there, who are arguably their best two players. When Jamal Murray's so, there, I don't even think it's close, honestly. Like, he's a stud. Like, we already talked about him this year. Like, we talked about him last week in top Canadian athletes. But guy was having a stud season before he got hurt. Like, it's absolutely it hurt them. I mean, he might not have been able to play anyway because if he made the NBA Finals, he wouldn't have been there. But, um, yeah, did that, his absence definitely did not help. Yeah, so it's it sucks that it's going to be another four years before we see it. Actually, only three because of the late Olympics. So that's at least a little nicer. Can but, I gripe about yeah, that before we sign off, by the way? Why sure. is it Tokyo 2020? Why? Because all the stuff was printed. Same with why is it Euro 2020? That's, because I had all, that's the, ban- stupid. all the banners, T-shirts, that apparel was all printed. Stupid. No, absolutely millions not. Of dollars. No. Sorry, we got to touch on that quickly too. I don't know if you saw it today, but it's official. There will be no spectators at the Olympics as Tokyo has now called a state of emergency again due to COVID. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw that as well. They're doing it preemptively. It's yeah. Not even that they have high cases. They're just like, yeah, we don't want any outbreaks. We're not going to do it. That's so, like, why bother having the Olympics then? Why bo- Like, I get, okay, I get the side of it where people have trained for this amount of time. They already delayed it a year. But, like, come on. You're yeah, not even I, don't have, I think you gotta have it. You can't even have 3,500 yeah. fans in there, aka 7,500. Like, what are you doing? Like, Olympic Stadium can hold how many? Like, most Olympic Stadium, like 100,000 people, and you're telling me you cannot get 10,000 people in there safely, 10% capacity? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more all the people who would travel to the country, not even just like. But then don't allow like people who, okay, don't allow people to travel then, and just how about this? Like, maybe this is a crazy theory, but, like, why don't we take, because of the pandemic this year, maybe let's stop looking at profits. I know that you've already spent all this money, but you already spent all this money. Like, you spent this money eight years ago preparing for this. This this has been, like, this money's been spent for a decade. So, how about we say... Why would we not allow our own citizens in and have watch this stuff? Instead, we're like, no, state of emergency, which is going to affect local businesses there and all this other crap. Bars can't like it's just it's honestly stupidity. I, I it's just so dumb. Just put a travel restriction then. Say, if you're not an athlete, you're not a trainer, you're not a coach, you're not contributing to an Olympic team, you can't come. That simple. Now the girl who wants to bring her baby, I get that. Like you can go on case by case exceptions, but if it's for a tourist purpose or a cheer. Then say no, but like, why would you not allow your own fans in there? I don't know. It's wild. It's just, it's, it's dumb. Fired up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it all. And it's, yeah, no, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's what's happening. So. Well, whatever. Whatever. It'll happen. I'm still excited to watch it. Winter Olympics is next. I'm still excited to watch the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still excited to watch the Olympics because I wasn't going anyway. So it doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah. Whatever. Are they going to pump crowd noise in? I have no idea. Could you imagine they're like? But doing I mean, like it's a, always so a hurdle. They're doing hurdles always, and they just yeah. pump in like, 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 like some guy falls and they're like, oh, like. <laughs> but other than like the hundred and two hundred meter, the track and field stuff's always so muted, anyways, because there's like five events going on in the stadium yeah, at the same true. time. So I also actually like, don't even know if it'll make that. 
<laughs> so I was just gonna I say I was, I was just picturing like the marathon the, the marathon runner and I was like how do you pump crowd noise in for a marathon runner oh god well, that's the other thing is like there, you'll still like I assume they'll still allow like other sports athletes to attend the events I assume I wouldn't don't take me for my word for it but, I would hope so. so you'll still see fans so because you know like some of the events take longer to start and they end earlier and those guys enjoy being around the Olympic Village even like you've heard like from the hockey players they stay the entire time and go early because they just want to be in the Olympic Village and hang around all the other athletes that's because so, hopefully fucking. you get at least some of that because they're fucking well yeah yeah everyone knows did you that, hear that but... garbage that they hand they're like they're like yeah we're handing out a hundred thousand condoms this year but we're not allowing people to have sex we're just doing it so they can take it back to their country to uh, prevent safe or to um uh, promote safe sex initiatives i'm like what a crock of shit like what athlete is taking like yeah you know what i'll take a tent like a hundred condoms from my room and bring them back to like no that is such garbage like oh why would they i mean why are you even trying to pretend at this point i, I don't know i don't get it but you you have some of the greatest athletes in the world who are single at one of the highest moments of their life if you they're don't think they're going to be fucking there, you are, yeah, no, 100%. Bro, this is like handing out condoms at a university bar and being like, we're not, like, we're not, like, don't have sex. We're just handing these out to promote safe sex. And I'm like, are you, like, are you fucking stupid? Like, they're not. Obviously, they know. But, like, come on. I even read this thing. They're like, oh, we're going to, like, yeah, you're not allowed in other people's rooms. Or I'm like, it it doesn't matter. It, does, it, it like what it, it's gonna happen like you just all you're doing is encouraging them to both go to the bathroom at the same time and just wreck the bathroom like just let them go to olympic village holy christ like oh my goodness i can't believe it anyway that's my last thing i gotta bitch about i'm just fired up today 50 minute pod last week and i was just fired up ready to go yeah that's all about all i have to go i mean I got it. one last go Habs go. No ole ole ole. And it was super fun. And I'm still super proud to be a Habs fan. So that's my uh, sign off. That's your sign off. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, I've said everything I need to say. I've got everything off my chest. I'm really looking forward to our, uh, our expansion, NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. Our mock next week going to be awesome. Um, I'm going to put in work into this because I actually can do that as opposed to the NFL draft. So I'm going to actually, you know, contribute, which is going to be good. Uh, as always, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at over six sports. Uh, you follow myself at Zach Brick over six and at C Charlton turf. Um, before I sign off cam, I have one more thing currently doing my save it or shave it campaign in support of local women's shelters for the Royal page shelter cup. You can f- go on my Twitter. I have it pinned to the top of my page. Uh, the fundraiser. It's also on my Facebook. Um, women shelters are in desperate need of funds, and uh, I'm pledged. I'm trying to raise about three thousand bucks this year. I got about a month left. We're about a third of the way there. If you can check that out, if you're a listener, please check that out. Check the Twitter. Check my Facebook. Um, contribute if you can. I'm currently doing this save it or shave it campaign where you can decide if I shave my mustache for a year or save it for a year. Speaking of mustaches, Cam and I are playing in a tournament this weekend, and the Turf King is going mustache for a day, and I love it. Are you looking forward to the mustache? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if I should go handlebars or just a straight mustache no. or what to do. You've already, I've already seen you in handlebars. you got to go straight stash. like Just, just straight stash? Straight stash. No handlebars. we got to match because I can't handlebar worth shit. 
I don't even think I have one hair on the sides. Um, but anyway, you as can, I can uh, barely, barely grow a mustache. <laughs> hey, this hey, so. hey, this is why people can save it or shave it. Uh, visit my Facebook, visit my Twitter. Uh, please consider supporting the cause. I greatly appreciate it. And for the Over Six Sports Podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke. And with me is the Habs fan, the dedicated boy, the king of the turf. Cameron Carlton. We love it. Thank you, Turf King. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.